and for your welcome. Good to see some familiar faces dotted about as well. Some of you I've never met before. We trust that God will add a blessing to the reading of his word throughout the course of the weekend. Now I want to read, please, from the book of Psalms. <clears throat> Psalm 88, please. And uh, I just want to pick up a verse there and then one other scripture which our brother Peter has quoted in prayer this evening. And for the rest, of, I'm just going to rely on your memory. I could spend the 15 minutes reading all of the scriptures I'd like to refer to this evening. So I think we'll just pick up Psalm 88. Uh, a song or a psalm for the sons of Korah, to the chief musician upon Mahalath, Leonoth, Mashal of Heman, the Ezrahite is the title. Look at verse, uh, verse 6, please. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves, Selah. Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up. And I cannot come forth, mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee, I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee, Selah? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave, or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark, and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? Over please to the second epistle of Paul to the Corinthians. Two Corinthians, please, chapter four. Verse one, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, that's referring to the new covenant ministry of chapter three, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we trust that God will add a blessing to the reading of his word. One of the difficult things with occasions like this, or at least preparing for occasions like this, is just judging and gauging the need of the audience that will be before you. Uh, I expressed this to an older friend of mine some years ago, and I was really asking for his advice, and he gave me some advice. He says, the way I, I just try and assess need, he says, is I just picture the audience by thinking about the company in which I am a member in fellowship. And he says, not only that, he says, I look at my own life and I look at the life of my family and friends, he says, and I, I just get a sense, a representative sense of the need of the congregation that will be with it. That's a, bit, a piece of advice that I have sought to use from time to time. And so when you're coming across the Atlantic to a place that you don't know, to people that you don't know, one of the things I have found useful is this, is to just imagine that the needs are the same as the company in which you are most familiar. So if I was to use that as an example this evening, then I would judge that there are some that have health concerns. We've heard about that already. And there are some that are growing weary because of length of days of their life and they're finding advancing years difficult. There are others that have spiritual concerns, maybe their own, 
but more particularly, I would imagine that amongst the company this evening, there'll be those who are really coveting the salvation of a family member. There will be those that have employment concerns, and, and so the list goes on. I would imagine that the list would be very similar in this meeting and throughout the course of the weekend to the company in which I am back there in Bicester. The question really that I want to just hang all of my remarks on this evening is found in Psalm 88. Is a man, and if you were to read it without any context, of which there's not much context given to us other than the psalm itself, but if you were to read it and just lift it out of scripture, you would think that the man, he, he had the worst of all lives. We, we, we didn't read the whole psalm together, but the part that we did uh, read together is quite depressing. It was a man that was clearly in the depths of despond, a man who had been placed in the lowest of places. And as he looked at his situation, he asked a number of rhetorical questions in the passage that we have been reading. All passages or all questions that I know really the context is that he's really challenging God. And the point he's making, trying to make to God is this in that place, in that in that place beyond in, in the grave, which is where I really feel that I am and, 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 and where I should be. Can these things be known? And one of the questions really that just caught my eye that he asked was this, and this is what I really want to hang my remarks on. The question that he asked was this, is uh, shall thy wonders be known in the dark? Maybe, maybe you feel it a little bit like that this evening. As you look at your life, and uh, you, would, you would say if we were to meet privately, you would tell me maybe about a little bit of circumstantial darkness. Things are, are depressing maybe. Things are difficult. The way is is uh, so tricky that, that sometimes you really just don't know which way to head. And from time to time, you really feel that the thing is going to trip you up. And, and, and maybe even you, you just ask the question where you just say, I'm in need of a miracle. That's really the word that's used there for wonders. Shall thy, thy miracles be known in the dark? As you look at your situation, at your circumstances, you say, it's darkness. Uh, maybe you feel the cultural darkness that is beyond us, just beyond your circumstances. And uh, I, by the way, I feel the cultural darkness. Five years ago, uh, about five years ago, I was in the place where I work and uh, a girl came into the canteen. I was in there on my own. She came in, she asked me a question. I won't tell you what the question is. If you're interested, we can speak about it privately. But she asked me a question to do with the, a cultural related question to things to do with the Christian faith. And so I answered it as, as carefully and as kindly as I could from scripture. And she was a very mild-mannered individual, and she was, a, she was um, quite a kind of happy-go-lucky character, but she, she looked at me that day, and I, I will never forget what she said to me. She says, you know, she says, I find what you believe on that absolutely disgusting. She says, and I am going to tell you that there will come a day when it will be illegal to think that. She was prophetic. I, I, I laughed to myself at the time. I thought, that'll, that'll never come. We, la we live in the land of the free, at least you do. And... Uh, we're thankful for, for a society, our brother was thanking, us in, was thanking the Lord in prayer, for a society that is so structured that we can hold these events. Uh, as I look back at my own society, I'm not sure how long that freedom will last. There's, there's a cultural darkness, there's a shift, an exponential shift that has happened in the last five or ten years that we could just not have predicted, although we should have been able to really, because scripture tells us that these days are coming. And maybe you are in a position in life where you feel the oppression of that darkness, and you feel that it is, it is out there and it is against you. And sometimes you think to yourself, we need a miracle. Well, I want to speak to you this evening about your circumstances. My, my answer to you is this. Can God's miracles, can God's wonders be known in the dark? Yes, they can. 
And you say, on what authority, or what authority can you say to us right now that God's, that God's miracles can be seen in the dark? I want to tell you this. The best predictor of future activity is past activity. And our God has a track record of performing miracles in the dark. Here's the first one. I want to speak to you just for a little bit, and I'm going to go through these very quickly. Don't you worry, I'm not going to take too long with all of them. But the first one. Remember that there's a God who moved in creation darkness. It says scripture, God created. And uh, there was that great event that neither you or I were there, although listening to some people, you think they were there. But anyway, uh, we were never there. We go by the word of God. And uh, says the word of God that the spirit, the spirit moved on the face of the waters. God, God created the, and he uses all of these descriptions just to get the thing across to us. And the point that he's making is that there was just a darkness there. And then God commanded that the light should shine forth out of darkness. I think that's miraculous. I think it's wonderful. I, I find it particularly encouraging that it's then used in relation to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And it's used as a metaphor, as it used as an analogy to tell us what happened when the light of the gospel shined as well. We'll come to that in a moment. But the first thing I want to point out to you is this, that the appearance of light in this universe of ours is nothing less than a miracle. And it was done by God himself. So the first darkness, creation darkness, and God moved and there was light. And he is the God that called the light out of darkness. I've talked a little bit about this. I'll just leave this one I won't say too much about it. I've talked about cultural darkness already, but I just want to remind you that there was another period of intense cultural darkness. I'm thinking now back to the beginning of the Gospels, and John picks up his pen. He starts to introduce us to this one who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. He's pre-existent. And the Word was with God. He's co-existent. And the Word was God. He's self-existent. He's, he's taken us through these wonderful things. The same was in the beginning with God. Then he tells us there was not anything made that was made that wasn't made by him. And then he says this. He says he, well, here came the light. He was the light. He was the life. He was the light of man. And the light shineth in darkness. And what does it say? And the darkness comprehended it not. But just note that expression. The light shineth in darkness. I find that amazing. Remember what preceded that. 400 years of inactivity. I use the word carefully. Inactivity on the part of God. Silence. The Old Testament finishes. There's an intertestamental period that, that takes place. No revelation from God. The Hebrew writer tells us that God had spoken. He'd spoken at many times in various places to various people. The, word, the full word had never come at one time to one man. But then he says, but now he has spoken unto us. In his son, here it is, the light shineth in darkness. Not just the, the mystery of creation, but the mystery of incarnation. I, I hope we never lose the sight of the wonderful glory of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Into a world of darkness came the Lord of glory. The one pre-existent, co-existent, self-existent, the one with the Father, the one who had the right to hang on to the glories of heaven, and yet... At that point, he came, he stepped into time, and into darkness came our Lord Jesus Christ as a one that shined as a, bright, uh, as a bright light in a dark place. So, there's creation darkness, and then we read about a little bit of cultural darkness. What about Calvary darkness? I think you probably all understood I was going to get there at some point. Says Mark, as he picks up his pen, he said, and there there was darkness over the whole land. I, I think each of us here this evening, 
Maybe I'm assuming too much, but if you're not, it will be a good time to really understand the value of this. Each of us that knows our Savior, each of us that has got a moment when we came to rely on Him and took Him by faith, each of us that can say that, we give thanks for the miracle that happened in darkness upon Calvary. Says Isaiah, he says, Thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin. Creation darkness. Cultural darkness. Calvary darkness. What about your pre-conversion darkness? This is where this verse gets us to. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You might uh, look back on it and you say, well, at the time I didn't really think I was darkened. Well, it's not until you get a little, little, little bit of light that you realize just how much in the dark you were. And uh, I was speaking to a a young man recently who's not saved and uh, he was telling me about his wrestles with the whole thing and, and we were talking, talking about it in a little bit of detail and I said to him, I said, do you realize that you're in just complete darkness? Oh, darkness? He says, I'm not. I'm investigating these things and I'm going through these things and listen, until we realize that we are in complete and utter darkness, there is no hope of salvation. That's one of the big problems. We might cover this a little bit in the panel discussion yesterday. Uh, it's tomorrow, sorry. Well, I wish it was yesterday. but <laughs> We'll cover it in the panel discussion tomorrow. One of the big problems in, in our gospel preaching is that sometimes we just fail to get across to a sinner just how in darkness they are. Well, says Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, uh, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, shined in our hearts. Didn't we need that light? darkness of our sin, the darkness of our mind, in a position where, where we were just disadvantaged before God with nothing going for us, except the light came in. And the moment the light came in, we were glad, we were glad for the glory that shone forth from the face of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing to know today. Something about our pre-conversion darkness and the miracle of illumination that came in in the person of Christ. Well, this is where I want to get to, and, this, and with this I'll close. This takes us back to circumstantial darkness. How do I know that God will move in my circumstances? Well, I should be careful what I say. God doesn't always move. And sometimes he doesn't move in the way that we expect him to. But I want to remind you of two, two lights that we have. Two ways in which God has spoken into this darkness, into our circumstantial darkness. Light number one is this, is that there is a, this is 2 Peter 2 now. There is a bright and shining light that is before us, until that day appear, the day star appear. Peter's using a, a, a fantastic passage there. If you ever want a passage that will just underline for you the authority of Scripture, and that's, the, that's one of the passages to go to. Peter's telling, he's, he's getting some important truth across. He says, listen, he says, there was, there was a great day when we were up on a mountain with our Savior and we saw him, and he shone forth, he was transfigured before us, and he shone forth in a brightness. He says, and we were there. We were eyewitnesses to his majesty. He says, we're not telling you cunningly devised fables. We're, we're giving you the truth. I was there and I saw it. And so I can tell you with authority that when I speak about his power and his majesty, he says, I'm not talking about anything that I, I am making up. I was there and I witnessed it. I had a pre-shadowing of it. I had, a, I had a view of it. I saw his transfiguration. He says, but I'll tell you something. He says, there's something that, that, that's even more sure than, than what I saw on that mount. He says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. He says, it's scripture that's been given to us. He says, no scripture is of any, of any private interpretation. 
There's a, a famous time in the Bible reading in Bristol one day, our, our brother David will know this brother concerned, but we were debating something back and forth and there was a little bit of an exchange of, exchange of views. Suddenly he piped up, he says, well, he says, no scripture is of any private interpretation. That was a, a misinterpretation of what Peter was saying there, but it was a, it was, it was a good way of uh, winning the argument, I suppose. Uh, the point that Peter is there is, is not to use that to, to, to take away the legs from somebody that you disagree. What Peter's saying there is he says, this, this, is, this is scripture that has been given to us. He says, this is not our private views or anything. This is God's authoritative word. Listen, can I remind you in circumstantial darkness is that we, is that we have a light. We have a lamp. God's word has been given to us. And so I encourage you today that what we should do in, in our circumstantial darkness is, is turn again to the word of God. But here's another light that's coming. Just into cultural darkness the last time came the incarnation, the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Into cultural darkness the second time will, come, will he come again. So scripture, he's going to come. Two metaphors that are used. Malachi tells us he'll come as the son of righteousness. That's really at, at his revelation. We'll come with him at that occasion. But then he says there's another time. It says Peter here in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says there's a day star coming. He's speaking about Venus. For those of you that know anything about this, you'll know that Venus can be seen about 2 or 3 a.m. It comes just before the great blaze of dawn. You can see it bright on the horizon if the conditions are correct. You can see it bright. He says that's the picture that Peter picks up here to speak about the private coming of our Lord Jesus, what we call the rapture. He says he's coming again. Could I encourage you at the start of this conference that if your circumstances feel like darkness, there is light that is coming. There is light in our hands. And we have a great hope on the horizon, the soon coming of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. May we be encouraged. Things are dark. Times are dark. But may we be encouraged by the light that God has given us and be encouraged in the character of a God who has moved time and time and time in darkness. Shall we pray?